The following podcast contains foul language, terrible humor, and spoilers. You have been warned. And welcome to another episode, spooky episode, of Snap, Crackle, and Pop Culture Podcast. My name's Ralph, I'm your host for this episode. I'm joined with Alan. Hey. And Leanne. Hello. Uh, Josh is away. He's dealing with some stuff. Uh, shop stuff. Shop stuff. Business. Stuff. Business. 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 Sweet. Um, I think we should probably get some chains for the intro on that. Let's just rattle some chains. Clink, clink, clink. That would be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, to this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, the paranormal or the supernatural. New movies, not just in general. <laughs> we'll be Although that might be a good topic yeah. in the future. Mm. To be fair, mm. to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, so kick us off, Alan. So um, if you've been listening to the last two weeks of uh, Spooktober, um, you'll have known that we've already covered two subjects and we're going to start off with notable mentions first and foremost. Um, first on that list is The Omen from 1976 by yeah. a director called Richard Donner, uh, who famously did the Superman films as well. Nice. So he did Superman 1. He did Superman 2, but then they kicked him off and let someone else in. But there's a Richard Donner cut. Um, follows the, the whole thing of Damien, the, 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 the child of the devil, the Antichrist, as the it Antichrist were. Antichrist himself. Quite a powerful film for the time. Has Sam Neill in it as well. A very young-looking Sam Neill. Yeah. I, oh, no, I, no, sorry. That's the fourth one. My mistake. No, my mistake. No, I'm getting so it wrong um, already. But yeah, the, 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 so obviously follows the, the, the whole thing of the parents having the, the Antichrist as a child. Is anything more fucking terrifying than that? Mm-hmm. This kid's like, oh yeah, I don't like that. You're dead. I mean, we all know that kids are nightmares in general. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like if I ever have a kid, I'm going to be start looking at the hairline to see if there's a yeah, six, yeah. six, six, six well, on the, the scalp. Thankfully, they'll be well, they'll be bald first, and then you. Yeah, yeah. Well, how did the doctors not catch that when the, the baby was born? Well, they wouldn't have known though, would they? Yeah, like the significance yeah. of the birthmark. They just thought, eh, it's a birthmark, and then they're like. Very that coincidental. That looks exactly six, like six. three sixes. <laughs> so, yeah, all right. Um, second one on the road we'll mention is The Fog from 1980 by John Carpenter. Um, very good use of the <coughs> space and, and, and lack of, of things around this sort of coastal town and with this fog sort of comes in with these creatures in it. It's mm. pretty cool. I always remember the sort of glowing red eyes as they sort of stood there and it's, it's quite creepy. Have you seen that one? No. It's good. No. It's good. They did a remake of it. Uh, I can't remember what year. It was early 2000s, I believe it was. It was pretty decent, worth a check out. John Carpenter's obviously done a lot of good stuff in the past. Um, Poltergeist from 1982 by Toby Hopper, who's also done um, Texas Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another good one. Uh, Carrie Ann uh, is, is kind of um, a little girl who gets sucked into the TV. Yes. Um, there's, and there's there's been quite a few um, references to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I funnily enough, I just, I watched, well, I say watched, um, it came on TV, the um, the Family Guy episode, <laughs> where, <laughs> where, where Peter messes with yeah, the yeah. Uh, the Native in, uh, the Native American skull. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Isn't that, that's the one with the um, the old man down the road, the pedophilic man, and he's, he's like, give him back to me, he's yeah, mine. Yeah, he basically yeah. Like, fights like a Balrog. <laughs> I don't like what? It was such a oh, long sequence too. Yeah, yeah, and it's that that um in the, the sort of the proper film, the poltergeist, the um the exorcist woman, the I, I think she's like a priestess or something like that, and she comes in, she tries to exorcise the house. Carrie Anne, walk into the light, Carrie Anne, and it's a very shrill voice, and it's like, oh God, can you stop just repeating that line, please? And like nails on a chalkboard, you know. It's like, oh, <laughs> um, it's a good film, not really good. They've disbanded a few sequels to that as well. Um. Not all of them are that great. The first one obviously holds up as the best, as as most cases in, yeah. in these sort of things. It's it's, the, it's that sort of introduction of the idea, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. then somebody goes, "I think I can make more money." Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's just do it again. People will watch it. People will buy it. It'll be fine, right? Um, next one is Ghostbusters. Oh, nineteen eighty four by Ivan Reitman. Yeah, um, it, would, it wouldn't. Yeah, it would technically wouldn't be a horror, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, up there. Yeah, well, it's poltergeist activity is the way. I yeah. kind of I was tying with do I put this in the list? Do I not put it in the list? You I think it's justified. <laughs> I think it's justified. There is some pretty cool spooky moments. In oh yeah, spooky the librarian yeah. one. Right yeah. at the sort of the beginning yeah. when they the sort of ooh, yeah, yeah yeah yeah, and she turns into this whole ah, I say, yeah. whoa, holy crap, that's amazing. 
Oh, it's so good. Um, not so much the newest one, but the next film is Apparently, next year, yeah. and it's going to be the proper direct sequel to the second film. Yeah, so. I was going to say, because... Yeah, what, but apparently, did they report that it's kind of like after this one or before? I don't know. I think it was after, because they're obviously a lot older. They wouldn't get away with being able to do one. Like oh, no, no, no. As in, like, not the original, but after this new one. Oh, yeah. In, um, in a sense, like, timeline-wise? Or I don't know if it's canonical. I think it. it's just retconned, I think. Okay. But don't quote me on that. They haven't really said much. Yeah. Because um, to be fair, like, they, um, they explored quite a few uh, cool things regarding <laughs> the... The all female Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. that I think they they were they were marketing marketing it way too heavily. Yeah, and people just kind of had a knee jerk reaction. From it wasn't like we went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be awful because we've heard so much bad publicity and negative mm. reviews and all this kind of stuff. We went into it thinking this is going to be awful. It wasn't as bad as I was expecting. No, I did quite enjoy it. I think the problem they had was they were kind of forcefully trying to make it comedic. And yeah. that kind of killed it a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas the original two Ghostbusters were just funny because it was just the guys gelling well together yeah. with the script, mm-hmm. you know, and that was that was what made it charming and that's what made it such a good film. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one was like, oh, let's put in this funny bit. Oh, let's put in this funny yeah, bit. And yeah. they were just ham-fisted it, with it. And it's... It, it, it definitely seemed like a sketch show yeah, turned yeah, yeah. into a uh-huh. movie. Mm-hmm. Well, look at the, the secretary who doesn't know how to answer a phone. It's mm-hmm. funny. <laughs> really... Really? No, just no. They hired him because he was hot. Yeah, exactly. But it's... Nah. Mm. <laughs> um, next on the list, bit of a jump on this one. Um, I'm not saying there weren't any good films coming out in that period, but the, the next sort of influential one in um, the, the history of things is The Blair Witch Project, mm. 1999. Uh, Daniel Myrick and Eduardo <laughs> Sanchez. Mm. Um, this was... I don't know. Uh, were you... You're probably not far off college at this point, right? You're not far... Not that Blair Witch. behind me. Yeah, I was probably... I was definitely sort of at the cusp of high school. Yeah. Um, do you remember much about internet access? And same with Leanne, do you remember much about internet oh, access eight. at that point? <laughs> oh, so you're not yourself yeah, then? Yeah, yeah. So um, do you ever remember seeing this and the way they pushed it as a real thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My God, that was intense. That, it was I think, crazy. I think which is one of the reasons why you, you refused to watch it um, <clears throat> when, when I was younger. Because I'm just like, nah. Yeah. Nah, if this is real, I don't, I don't want this in my life. <laughs> yeah. right? So I was, was I 16 at that point. And I remember I was in college looking at sort of on break times and whatnot on the library, looking up stuff about films coming out. Yeah. I remember seeing this on one of the websites, like, this is a real documentary film with found footage. And it's like, real? Ooh. And it piqued my curiosity yeah. even more, you know, and I really was adamant about seeing it. No, no. Yeah. And back then, like, <clears throat> when you're on the internet, everything just kind of, you're told this is a place where, like, it's all educational. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Back in those you days, know, yeah, yeah. You can find information and then... You get this. It's like it's real. This is fan footage. Yeah, all yeah. like, huh? <laughs> it is, and it creeps you up more because that yeah. whole thing of shit. This is real, and to the point of of because you watched it recently. I showed yeah. Leanne it recently. Um, you've seen it, I'm assuming. Uh, I, I, I have, but not recently. No. Okay. Um, so you know, like, there's a bit where they're constantly going round and they sort of end up back at this riverbed all the time. Yeah. That was done on purpose by the director. He was purposely making them lost in this woods oh, where they yeah. were where they were um, filming this. Yeah. And the tension you see on the screen at that point is real, real because mm-hmm. he wasn't really feeding them as much as they probably should have been. I mean, he wouldn't get away with it today, not by mm-hmm. a long shot. But every th- bit of tension you see was real because the director was playing them into this whole game of you're actually fucking lost. We don't know where we are, but we still got this film to make, so we better get on with it. And the tension just... You can see it come across on the screen when you watch it again now. And it's they start having this fight. And it's like, oh, wow, this is quite powerful stuff when you know that. And it's, it's pretty impressive for the time. Mm. Um, the sequel, they did do one, uh, I want to say four years ago. I don't remember the exact date on that mm-hmm. one. It was pretty good. Um, I quite enjoyed it. It was a lot of larger budget. Follows the sequel as directly um, the brother of the girl that lost in the woods. Um, is trying to trying to find his sister, basically. Mm-hmm. And they kind of they go to the woods and it's... Some pretty cool stuff that they do in that, to be fair. So. And it's st- is it still very, like similar found footage? Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. It's it's ob- it's more up to date. Obviously, mm. it looks more like it's filmed in terms of a a, a movie f- a camera, yeah. as opposed to a handheld. Uh, but then the technology is advanced in that time. Yes, of course. So you got drones, you got GoPros, and things like that. I'm not sure what they filmed this particular film on. Yeah, but it it does look a lot crisper and a lot more clean. I think is the word I want to yeah. use. But there's a lot more visual not visual effects more clever trickery and, and things that they use in the film which kind of it, it they don't go over the top with it 
That's good. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. You yeah. do get to see something in the woods, and it's like, oh my god, I saw that. What the hell is that? You know, and it's it's one of those, but they don't linger too long. Yeah. And I like that. It's it's the whole mystery thing, and that's what that's, horror is all about, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um. Possibly a controversial one to put on there is a remake of a film called 13 Ghosts, and I showed Leanne this a yeah. couple weeks back, um, made in 2001 by Steve Beck. Effectively follows this guy um, who made this house that's like a Faraday cage, yes. I think is the appropriate term for it, <clears throat> yeah. where he's captured 12 ghosts, mm. and he's trying to bring about a portal to hell. Okay. And the way that they were going to sort of bring about it is by having the 13th ghost become reality inside the house so this guy dies gives his family the house they move in and it all locks down and the ghosts start getting let out right right. and they're trying to sort of fight for their lives and the 13th ghost is supposedly coming up and then this was a hope in the portal to hell really good premise the acting's probably not the best some of the acting's real good some of it's really good it is yeah. yeah there's like one or two aspects of the acting which is like oh this is kind of a bit a little bit Hammy. Yeah, but then the rest of it's fantastic. The, mm. the designs on the ghosts themselves, each one has its own individual backstory, and it's it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Really good film. Um, American Horror Story, not so much a film, but a TV series. Oh, yeah, that's very yeah. popular, yeah. very influential, a lot of things, based it's around that. a lot of things. Um, I'm not going to go to each individual season, no, this, but it's, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot. Now, nine? Ninth season's airing now, and it's based mm-hmm. in 1984. So, like, the old slasher, Friday the 13th, and Nightmare yeah, yeah. Street kind of inspired things. Um, really good. I think Freak Show is probably my favourite season, followed by Asylum. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed them two seasons. Um, Liam hasn't seen any of them I've yet. seen part of one episode, but the person I was watching we got freaked out, so I had to turn it off. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it, is, it is quite impactful. It, yeah. They don't really do... Yeah over the top with it but what they do do on the show is quite good it was something about twins oh yeah he got freaked out by twins anyway well watch a shining one um <laughs> i've not seen this last one um i think you have haunting at hill house <coughs> on netflix i was actually speaking to somebody on twitter about this um just talking about really uh it was it was a bit of a like a character <coughs> study um of the family and how each individual person sort of dealt with grief, mm. Um, mm. especially in regards to, you know, like with, uh, with a loved one's death, mm. uh, yeah. very sudden, mm. or in, and to them, like, uh, uh, sort of like with the, in regards to like suicide mm. and stuff as well, mm. because that's what it seemed like anyway. Yeah. But then what, when they were kids, uh, when her, their, their mother, uh, seemed to go insane or something like that. Their father was like, "Okay, we're leaving. What about mom? Who cares? Like, doesn't it's fine. Wow, like, okay. Don't worry. Don't worry about her. Yeah, she'll, she'll be okay. fine." <clears throat> and then, uh, they get put up in a, a motel. Dad goes away. Dad comes back covered in blood. Oh, and it's okay. Just like, what's going on? Whoa, like nothing. And so they were, you know, um. They all become estranged from their father. They mm-hmm. all go mm-hmm. their separate ways, and um, and then and then, yeah, they just kind of get pulled back into the house again mm-hmm. with events, uh, things like that. And then the youngest sister, which was the main thing that kind of brought them back together, she <clears throat> she finds herself uh, like in, like clinically depressed and things like that, and she ends up like I think like killing herself mm-hmm. um, at the house. Okay, okay. At the house. So it's like adding more to the energy yeah. that already is so, in the house. <coughs> so, yeah, so the, the whole thing is then the the kids, obviously now adults, it has that very, it has that kind of like it oh, um, it's like a bit vibe of time to jump. it yeah, because yeah, yeah. They, they flip back and forth to the oh, um, okay. the young kids and then the mm. adults and mm. then having them, like them dealing with the house mm. as well. Um, every episode where um every scene in each episode where the scene is in the house in the in um hill manor yeah there's a ghost in the background i heard about that mm, every scene that. and it's freaky oh, because it'll cut it'll cut away yeah and then you'll be like okay and then as soon as it comes cuts back to the exact same shot yeah 
you'll know that something was something's missing. Different. Mm. Something's different. And right. then you pause, you go uh-huh. back, uh-huh. and then there's a man standing in the corner that you just never yeah. realize. It's always in your peripheral. It's like a 10 hour, oh, ten episode, 10 hour TV series. Yeah, it becomes like 20 hours long. <laughs> you constantly go back and forth. It's honestly ridiculous. But, but cool. like at the end of it, um, in a way, is quite. There's a certain sense of like, with it being quite heartwarming again it's sort of like the family trying to get together and solve this mystery and find mm-hmm. out what led their sister to um to kill herself or mm-hmm. whatever and mm-hmm. figure out what the heck is going on with the house that type of thing it was really really good um, it's on my I, list to watch yeah, yeah. It really i, I highly recommend it it's it's i got it's, a list that's probably this long off the floor you know and it's <laughs> don't not, we all. not if i was in the day you know don't we all right um, but yeah, if you guys haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend that you uh, check it out. I think um, they're doing a second series. They are doing a second mm. one, but mm. I, I think it's um, on a on a second house, on a different house. Mm. So it Hobbit. sounds like it's going to be more of a, like an anthology series, <coughs> yeah. much like American Horror Story kind or of, yeah. The Terror. Yeah, yeah. but we'll, we'll see how we go. Mm. Cool, yeah, so those are the honourable mentions. Um, quite a lot of good stuff there to check out in its own right. Um, many remakes and different sort of sequels and whatnot. Um the one that probably started it off in terms of the mainstream horror, and I know there's going to be other films before, like House on Haunted Hill from the 60s, anything with Vincent Price and The Mummy and all this kind of stuff. Um, but The Exorcist, I think, really pushed it into Ooh, the, yeah. the main limelight in mm-hmm. 1973. Especially with the um, the urban uh, the urban stories. Yes. Urban tales that yes. came along with yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, which is like, now I don't even know if they're real or not. Um, yeah, with yeah. like all the deaths that happened during filming and, yeah. and all the events it's it's pretty gnarly stuff it is it is and it goes to show that sometimes the, the content <clears throat> matter can be quite a powerful factor in its own right whether or not you're in the particular location where the events or the original events happened it doesn't matter you know there's many different kinds of things that can possibly happen in the, in any sort of way and that's what the supernatural and paranormal is technically all about isn't it it's mm-hmm. all about that Stuff that can happen that you don't expect and can't see or can't do anything about. And it's just one yeah. of those things. Um, yeah, so directed by a guy called William Friedkin. I hope I said that right. Um, it's based on the exorcism of, of, a, of a 14-year-old boy uh, called Roland Doe, which took place in the late 1940s. Uh, he was possessed and exorcised whilst it was being recorded by the attending priest. Okay. So obviously they've had this actual footage somewhere, Ooh. and I, I, yeah, I've not seen it. I haven't looked for it. I'll be honest. Um, I haven't had time to look for it, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a chap called Peter Blatty uh, decided, oh, you know, this will be a good idea for a, for a novel. He wrote the novel, and someone got a hold of that, put it towards the film company, and said, hey, you know, this this could be good for a, for a horror film. And this is the kind of cusp where horror films went from skeletons and guys with sheets mm-hmm. over their heads to be a ghost to proper prosthetic makeup yeah and and the sort of special effects that we're used to now um especially with linda blair playing the girl in this with the the fucking the the prosthetic on her face yeah and twisted yeah yeah, and yeah. The, that the, was that the, was quite harrowing yeah the, yeah the, the screenshot of that has been used in many like jump scare websites uh, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness linda blair is probably the the first poster girl for horror films mm. i think in that aspect um it, and it is heralded as one of the scariest mo- horror movies of all time, if not the scariest horror movie of all time. Mm. Um, for me, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, but I don't. I've seen scarier. Yeah, you know. I mean, that's <clears throat> obviously in 1973. Not so much the case. If I was watching it in 1973, I probably would have filled my britches. But nowadays, there's a lot worse. Yeah, you know, um, but it's still a good film. It still quite stands up as well. We watched it not long, a couple of months ago, I think. A couple of months ago, yeah. And it still sort of stands the test of time. It doesn't look dated. It doesn't look aged. There's not any real sort of technological things which hold it back. No. And the effects that they did with it is fantastic. The whole the crab walking down the stairs, mm-hmm. the yeah, prosthetics on the face, the head twisting round, and the, the the pea soup we'll call it coming out of the mouth <laughs> in terms of the vomit, <laughs> and it's fantastic, you know. Um, and it really did push the boundaries with boundaries with this the, the effects and even the language. Sort of in the seventies, people weren't using uh, f bombs all the time. Um, and then one of the, the the sort of infamous sayings is "Your mother sucks cocks in hell." And it's like, holy shit, what? <laughs> really? Yeah. You know? And there's this 
<clears throat> demon t- saying that to a priest of all things. You know, you demon, sir, your mother sucks cocks in hell. And it's like, holy shit, that's quite powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and there was cutscenes. There was cutscenes from it where she had a cross and she was, what's, what's the word I want to use? Violating herself, I think is the word I want to use. Yeah. And that there was a lot of stuff that got cut from that film originally. Um, one of them was the spider walk. If you've seen the spider walk with her coming down the stairs, it was cut for its technical ineffectiveness. So when they originally did it, I'm not quite sure how, but it just didn't quite look right, apparently. Mm. And it got cut from the film. Um, it's been added back in now, so they did, like, CGI, and obviously with the technology now, it's really easy to just go, <coughs> hey, yeah, we can do this. Yep, yeah, done. Simple as. Um, yeah. Maybe not that simple, but... <laughs> um, but, yeah, so now it's going from the sort of no spider walk to a spider walk, and then it's been updated again with the full spider walk down the stairs, and there's sort of blood sort of curdling from the mouth and pouring all down the mouth as he's it, walking down the stairs, which is quite a powerful visual. You think about mm. it, sort of someone walking down the stairs like that backwards, and it's like, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> you know, it's, it's quite a creepy visual, yeah. you know? I mean, yeah. sort of, we've got, the, as you can't see now, we've got the stairs behind us, and I'm just sort of looking at the imagining that happening there and it, it does sort of make your hairs and your arms stand up a little bit and it's like oh god I don't want to fucking turn around and see that right now <laughs> um, it did obviously spawn different sequels prequels TV adaptations the sequels not so great mm. the prequel I've not seen and the TV series I've seen about half the first season that's really good Yeah, it's more gritty a lot darker and it's based in more of a modern sort of setting so I, I think it was around the 90s this particular TV series was based. And it's, again, it follows the priest and he's got this call about this girl who's been possessed. And it's sort of a bit more of a slow burn. Obviously, a film you've got two hours. A TV mm-hmm. series, a whole season you've got like maybe yeah. 10, 12, 15, whatever many yeah. episodes there is. Yeah, yeah. I think these are 10 episode seasons. Okay. And it's a bit of a slow burn. It works to such good effect. And the one of the scenes they've got the mother, father, and the girl and her sister sat at a table and she just starts speaking in tongues, and this is just like the parents and the sister are like, what the fuck's going on? You know, and it's, I, I think there's going to be a twist coming up where it's not that one that's being possessed, but the other one, and it's kind of like a, a showing of force thing. I don't know, yeah. I, I need to see more of it. My yeah. mother, obviously, if you haven't seen the original Exodus, we can start watching that as well, because yeah, it's only two seasons, so it's, it's quite short. So we'll have to get into to potentially watch that. And, mm, sounds good. Mm, it does look good. Mm-hmm. Um, going from there... Uh, the next big, big, big film in terms of that genre coming out would be by Stanley Kubrick. Any guesses on that one? It's the Shinning. The Shinning, that's right. <laughs> With the guy who goes around kicking people's shins. Um, no, uh, 1980. So it was about a seven-year gap between The Exorcist and The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, every year, I think everyone knows what The Shining is or knows something about The Shining or heard of it in some aspect or other. Doctor Sleeps Out on Halloween, which is next week. Um, I'm quite looking forward to that. I think it could be decent. Yeah. I, I saw that. I was like, what is going on? And then as soon as, soon as I saw the twins and everything else, I'm like, it just clicked. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I, I initially, I was just like, like, who who thought it would be a good idea to write a sequel? Stephen King. <laughs> and then so like, <laughs> Stephen King. I'm yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's, he actually did write the sequel mm. not long ago. I think it was only a few years ago you wrote it. Um, yeah, 2013. Um, so yeah, Doctor Sleep. Uh, if you enjoy The Shining, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, um, me too. Um, it does seem it does seem to be very different though. Yes. Like, well, I mean, yeah, the, at yeah. least the trailers anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's it is hard really to say. Well, we now nearly four years later, mm. and I think they've done they've kept that time jump. I believe I think it's the exact. Oh, okay. Because obviously Ewan McGregor is probably about the age of that yeah, now. Yeah, the kid yeah. would have been that age in the original mm-hmm. in the original mm-hmm. film. Um, yeah, so as we already said, Shining, based on a novel by Stephen King, um, which was in turn inspired by his stay at a hotel called the Stanley Hotel in Colorado um, when he was sort of recovering from alcoholism. So he had a bit of an issue. He decided to isolate himself and start sort of getting back on the path of Carino. Fair play to him. Good job. You know, not a lot of people admit that he needs fucking to get some help with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. We fully support that anyone who needs help should get help, mm-hmm. you know. Um the hotel is particularly renowned throughout the world as well for being a haunted hotel. <coughs> so there's many different apparitions there. There's many different events which occur there. Um, I didn't get any sort of list of things, but obviously seeing uh, 
entities. There's a room 217, which is referenced in the film. I think it's a different number in the film. Yeah. It's the one where he goes in and the woman's in the bath. Yeah. yeah. And then she saw, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so, you know, if you want to know a bit more about the hotel, definitely look it up the Stanley Hotel in Colorado. Um, there's been a lot of sort of paranormal investigation groups going to sort of investigate and they've got some really good evidence and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it, I think it's a bit ahead of its time as well with the, the whole sort of take of mental health and instability, mental instabilities. Yeah. So we see mm. Jack sort of slipping down this slippery slope and trying to murder his <coughs> wife and kid yeah. on, the, on the whim of the spirits there, sort of getting in his ear and talking into it and being like, yeah, you know, you don't need them. You can stay here with us forever. And the whole sort of thing of that coming around, it's, it's pretty good. It's just cabin fever and isolation. Um, he's on his own. He's got no one to really talk to. He doesn't feel he can talk to his wife. And his, his own mind sort of running away with itself. And it just sort of spirals in. And it's it's dangerous when, when things like that can happen because you can get stuck in your own head so easy. Yeah. And it can be a very dangerous place to be. Um, I think if Jack Nicholson wasn't, cast in it it wouldn't have worked i think yeah he was the perfect casting yeah i think he's he definitely exudes that type <coughs> of well his face for one yes yeah, mm. mm. so expressive yeah very expressive yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's got that like angry you look at sort of looking. nine years later he's playing joker in batman mm. Mm. and again that's another one where he's got that massive grin with the high cheeks and it's the eye are uh, just such a great face for, for yeah. acting and, and visualness, you know, to that. Yeah. And I think he was great. And that whole, when he's axing the door to the bathroom mm. and he sticks his face through, here's Johnny. And you see that everywhere. You know, you yeah, know the Doctor's sleep iconic. poster, they kind of mimic that a bit with the Ewan McGregor's face. And it's not so much a door, but it's a solid colour. And it's, I think it's yellow, if I remember rightly. Yeah. And then he's got a black background. He just sort of looks like the door that's yeah. been hacked in in his face there. And it's, it's iconic. Mm-hmm. Anyone look at that and go, that's The Shining. I know exactly where that is. Yeah. You know, you'd be hard pushed to find someone who doesn't in, in this sort of day and age. To be fair, I'm, uh, I'm just uh, reading just a few things here now. Um, funnily enough, Stephen King was disappointed in Kubrick's adaptation, uh, especially mm. uh, he didn't like how some of the scenes fell flat. He also didn't like the casting of Jack Nicholson either. Really? Yeah. Um, he felt that his, 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 was, he was wrong for the part. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, he was saying that it was Jack Torrance's gradual descent into madness. Yeah. So, but if the guy is nuts to begin with, then the entire tragedy of his downfall is wasted. The thing is, like... He wasn't really <clears throat> nuts to begin with. No. And to be fair... He was just a bit angry and yeah. like an aggressive nature. But then, that's kind of like... You know, um, Jack Nicholson kind of looks like that, though. He already looks... Yeah. Looks a bit nuts. Yeah. A couple of screws loose, as it were. Yeah, yeah. already. Mm. So he already seems like he has a chip off his shoulder. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's king, though. It, uh, I'm reading as well here that um, <laughs> Kubrick didn't even read the screenplay that King wrote. No way. No, so basically <laughs> what, what he did was, uh, it says here, Kubrick didn't uh, didn't even uh, deem it worth a glance. Wow. So he worked with Diane Johnson, uh, and, uh, and they ended up spending 11 weeks working on the script. Wow, that's... <laughs> so, okay. yeah, so I don't know, maybe, maybe Dr. Sleep might be sort of Stephen King's way of kind of like bringing it, it back yeah. to what he yeah. wanted. Yeah. In terms of that, Kubrick obviously had a lot of stroke at that point. I'm guessing Clockwork Orange was before The Shining. I'm not entirely certain. I think it was 78. Might, Clockwork yeah. Orange, I think. Um, obviously not a paranormal film, but obviously a station to, to go with the film studio and just be like, yeah, you know what? Screw this Stephen King guy. I'm just going to write my own screenplay. That's ballsy. That's really ballsy considering Stephen King is known as one of the best horror writers in the world. Mm. That's that's intense. Mm-hmm. Um the one one thing that a lot of people get a bit freaked out is all the two girls that you see on the hotel. Yeah. It's not a camera trick. They're actually identical twins. <laughs> which is pretty cool. To go out and be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck camera tricks. We're just going to get these two girls in and get it done. Which I thought was cool. And they look yeah. amazing in that mm. film. Yeah. They look creepy as shit. <clears throat> I don't know what, is, what, what it's... Twins, me. I know, right? I know. You just get that sort of the visual of of the kid. I can't remember the boy's name. Was it Billy? I can't remember. I can't remember. But he's got his little. 
um, trike thing, yeah, and he's just yeah. rolling yeah. around, and I love the sound you get with the floor as well, because there's quite yeah. a bit where he's going around this wood floor, and, you're then, like, and then it's silence, and, and it, I love, I don't know what it is about that, but it makes it feel more authentic. realistic, yeah, 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 authentic, yeah, yeah. That kid was really good, it's trying yeah. to this girl. yeah. So when he starts going red ram, red ram, yeah. it's like, oh my god, that's amazing. <clears throat> uh, well, according to uh, mental floss here, um, unfortunately, yeah, well, yeah, that's great. Um, uh, he he actually didn't uh, have a role in TV film. Um, huh. Yeah, that was it. But that was it. So he had, he only ended up having a TV film role two years later after that one. Right. And then that was it. Oh. No, nothing else. Um, maybe he didn't like it. Maybe it wasn't for him. No, well, apparently just he just wasn't he just wasn't getting any any jobs after that. Don't know why. It's like the Strange. the kid who played Anakin in um, Phantom Menace. The yeah. the boy I can't I yeah. don't know the actor's name yeah, is, yeah. but he's not in anything these days. No, I think he just sort of fell off the map as well. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. It's hard, really, especially when <coughs> nerds just don't like the film that mm. you've, mm-hmm. you're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and. To be something fair. so impactful like The Shining, you think, oh, that's going to skyrocket this kid's right, career, yeah. you know? But, but maybe he just didn't want it. Maybe he didn't like well, it. Well, no, they, they kept trying. They said they kept trying for several years oh, wow. until he was in high school. And then Damn. by the time he was 14, he had nothing. So oh, that sucks. There you go. Cool guy. <clears throat> oh, uh, funnily enough as well, he actually, um, Dan Lloyd, who was the child actor, he didn't <laughs> know he was making a horror movie. <laughs> So oh, really? He, he didn't even get to watch the film until he was 16. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes um, sense. So, so yeah. But he did say he didn't even find... He didn't find it scary because he's already seen what happened yeah, in the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... It kind of takes that mystery element out yes. of it and you know exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. I've always been curious about that um, escalator scene with the blood. Like, yeah. was it a miniature? It's like, I, I didn't think to look that up, but that I've always... I think I don't think I want to know. It's one of those things yeah, you see it and it's like, that looks amazing. How the hell do they do it? You know, and it just looks so impactful. Yeah. It's so great. Um, yeah, next next one then on that particular, um, on the same topic rather, is mm. uh, Hellraiser, 1987 by yeah. a guy called Clive Barker. Um, Leanne's recently watched this yeah. uh, for the first Very time. Very recently. Um, thoughts? Brutal. Really good. Um, the animation. It's a slow burn. Yeah. So it builds up that sort of yeah, the yeah. tension, the payoff, you know, all the way through. Mm. Um, yeah, and the the effects just re- like really good. So a lot of it looks like so, um, stop motion animation yeah. Um, yeah. with Frank sort of coming out the floorboards as that skeletal mm. creature, we'll say. Um, that oh, it's just yeah, it's just on the right <clears throat> side of twisted, I think. Mm, mm. So it pushes pushes the limit. <clears throat> and it goes back to that whole thing with prosthetics. Yeah. That we've talked about with Dawn of the Dead. We talked a little bit earlier with The Exorcist and now Hellraiser. You've mm. got this guy with like probably like three or four dozen pins in his face. Yeah. And you've got the woman with the throat opened up and you've got yeah. Butterbean, uh, Butterball with the, the, the massive gullet and, and, and the chatterer with no eyes and it's just his teeth and eyes. Oh, it's, it's such great designs. Yeah. And Clive Barker's always been great for that. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his designs are impressive. Um, Good. So yeah, that was based on a, a novella, like a short sort of novel called The Hellbound Heart. Okay. Um, it obviously <laughs> uh, follows the, the recreation of Frank after he opens what's called the Layman Configuration Box, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a tr- oh, trigger object, like um, idle hands kind of thing, no idle hands mischief kind of thing. Yeah. So he's playing with this box and he's like, oh, I've got to know what's inside it. You know, I guess it's almost like a greed kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, you kind of got to know and got to see what's inside it. Um, he kind of opens it up and you get sucked into hell by the Cenobites. He escapes from them, mm-hmm. and then there's Julia who sort of ends up accidentally resurrecting him with blood. Um, he comes through and they start killing people. And they, I don't want to really go into the neighborhood of it, but then the Cenobites come for him, and you see these amazing looking creatures. Um, like they say, Pinhead, the Chatterer, the the female Cenobite, and it's such great designs. And they 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 try and take um, Kirsty, who's opened the box, and like, no, wait, 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 you you've got one who's escaped, and they they kind of stop and they wait, what? What what do you mean? What's it to you? What's that to us? Well, do you want him back or not? Sort of thing. And they sort of plays off a bargain with the demons, as it were. Mm-hmm. And it's it's quite cool. Then it sort of ensues a, like a supernatural. I don't say fight because it's not really a fight. It's more of a reclamation of frank yeah i think it's the word i want to use after he's just sort of 
killed his brother, skinned him, and they started wearing his skin to, to be more human, to sort of fit back into the world. Okay. Um, <laughs> doesn't really work, because the Sandalwites get him, hook loads of chains into him, and just tear him apart. Yeah. And it's quite a visual, mm. uh, nice visual feast of that, because they don't shy at all. No, and you just see this everywhere. guy gets ripped apart, Ooh. and it's really impressive. Proper gore horror. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think there's probably one of the... First paranormal gore horrors. Mm. You know, we've had Texas Chainsaw, we've had Friday the 30th, then I'm on street, but it's not really supernaturally, it's more of a slasher. Yeah. Whereas this is more of a supernatural, and you can do more things with that. You've got hooks in your face from six different directions pulling apart. Yeah. You don't see that in Texas Chainsaw, you don't see that in Friday the 13th. Mm. You just stab and you're done, you know, yeah. or you cut your head off and you're done. Um, some really good visuals in this. Um, makeup, obviously, we already covered the, the makeup and effects, fantastic. Yeah. All through the series, um, there's there's quite a lot of films there. Seven sequels, starring Doug Bradley as Pinhead. Um, the last two were more the company trying to keep the license. Yeah. So a lot of the time is like a time thing. If you don't do another film based on this franchise in this amount of time, you're going to lose the rights to it. Blah blah blah. Um, yeah, they've just been doing that for the last two films, and they've been pretty rubbish. Apparently, I've kind of not lowered myself to watching them yeah um because i've met doug bradley the guy who plays pinhead and even he said that it was absolute bollocks what they were doing to the the cast and the crew they barely pay them anything to make the uh ninth film in the series mm. it's ridiculous you can't do that it's, it's horrendous um he looked at the script said it's a pile of shit i'm not doing it and they cast someone else's pinhead instead and it's you just don't disrespect a character like that who's got such a cult following you just don't go and it's like the friday the 13th throughout uh, the friday the 13th um like Renault street remake they cast yeah. the guy who played Rorschach into it. No, no offense to the guy who played Rorschach. Yeah. He's a great actor, but he ain't Robert Englund. He's not yeah. Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know. When you've already set up, uh, like basically like a precedence of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one actor playing it, it becomes a brand. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That guy, that character actor, becomes the character, which in turn becomes the brand. Yeah. And when you've got Pinhead, who's a very vital part of that series, mm -hmm. if not the integral part of the series, you can't just go, eh. We'll just recast him as someone. We don't know who. Let's just pick that guy over there. He'll do. It's yeah. just not going to work. Yeah, no. Um, you know, um, I think one of the things about the film as well is that even even in the film, there's a quote where Kirsty says, who are you? And the, the quote is along the lines of, we are demons to some, angels to others. And mm -hmm. it's like, you can take it from both sides. Mm -hmm. So they could be demons from hell. They yeah. could be angels trying to show people other ways of, um, emotion, mm -hmm. feeling, sensations, yeah, things like that. You, you, you know, obviously you've seen the first yeah. two as well, so you kind of see where I'm going with like that. Definitely new experiences. Experiences, and that's what yeah. Some people's view yeah. <coughs> of heaven would be. Mm. Mm. So there's people's view of hell. Mm. Experiences beyond possibly the physical realm, yeah, even. or even sort of maybe. I think torture. Some people do get off on it, okay. like pain and things like that, mm -hmm. and they kind of potentially promise the the extremes of that with all the different ways you see the sort of the mutilations on the Cenobites even in the second one when you've got Chinard mm. and he gets chucked in the thing and you've got the wires on his face sort of pulling back into it and he becomes a Cenobite as well yeah. and he, he, he sort of oh I'm enlightened and it kind of goes to that where they, this shows that it could be either way and they never really fully go yes we're this or yes we're that and it kind of leaves it open which is cool and I like that it's again it's the mystery it's the intrigue and you kind of take away from it what you will. And I think no two people will have the same sort of, oh, yeah, it's exactly this and exactly that. It's like snowflakes. No two opinions are the same. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that. Um, but it's definitely the idle hands with the box. I think it's definitely a trap of, of sorts. Or maybe it's temptation. Yeah. Maybe it was there for those who really desperately seek it. You know, again, it's it's the things just pop in my head now. You're thinking about it now. You're sort of thinking, oh, yes, I have hands. Actually, no, it might not be. It might be something else. Yeah, yeah you know? I feel it, like it's a bit of both. Mm. From, it's obviously the first, when Frank gets it from crazy guy in the market or whatever. <coughs> yeah, what's your, um, pleasure, what's your pleasure, sir? So he's seeking it. But then when the girl finds it, mm. she just, that's more of the idle hands. It's a puzzle yeah. box. Mm. I mean, mm. if I had, if there's a puzzle box on the table, I'd probably be trying to solve it. Yeah, yeah. And even in the second film with the Dr. Chinard, before he summons the Cenobites, yeah. he puts that girl who does puzzles. Um, Dr. Chinard's, a bit of a history, Dr. Chinard is a mental institution doctor. Yep. So he's got all these sort of mentally institutionalized pen, pay, uh, patients. 
And one of them in particular loves doing puzzles, jigsaws, and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He puts the Lehman configuration box in front of her and she solves it. Mm-hmm. And he summons the Cenobites, the doors to the, the underworld or Leviathan or hell or whatever you want to call it opens up. Yeah. And even Pinhead comes and it's like, no, this is not the one we're looking for. We weren't summoned here for this. And it, even he can sort of see, right, I'm being used by someone else to get what they want. Yeah. You know? And I, I love the second, the second film as well. The, the first sort of two, three minutes, you see Pinhead's origin. Yeah. And I really that's like really that. Cool. Because that's cool. It kind of humanizes that character a little bit. Mm. Yeah. And then it also detaches him from humanity. Yeah. And then he kind of flicks back and forth a little bit. And it's it's really funky way that they did it. I like it. I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, um, nice. fun lot with that. A crossover was originally planned with Halloween. <coughs> the film franchise Halloween, Michael Myers. Um, yeah. Apparently I can see that happening. Um, a lot of people could just solves the puzzle. Um, apparently, it was rejected after a massive negative response from fans of not just one franchise but both. Of both, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, Hellraiser fans right. were kind of like, ah, fuck it off. And then the Hellra- Halloween fans are probably like, ah, piss off, Hellraiser. There's nothing compared to Halloween. Um, there was also going to be a remake, but apparently that's also been cancelled. Um, it's probably a good thing. Mm. Yeah. I don't think a remake would do it justice. No, I think it's. It I think that film's perfect as it well is, it. Mm. but like it hasn't. It still looks, yeah. It still looks great, even now. You know, and that was uh, thirty years ago. Yeah, <clears throat> thirty-two I, years ago. I think the the thing is, is <laughs> if they're gonna end up doing a remake, um, mo- modernity almost calls for like CG. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. would. You lose the charm. Yeah, yeah mm. it, it would hurt. It would hurt the credibility of the film as well mm. because ultimately the reason why a lot of these like um old old like eighties nineties horror uh the reason why they work so well is because of the practical effects yeah, as yeah. cheesy mm-hmm. and maybe as like overtly fake as they look mm. they look mm. more real yeah. than if you yeah. use CG yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, quite funny you say that as well with the pinhead character Doug Bradley had these black contact lenses yeah. in that literally blacked his eyes out yeah, yeah. he couldn't see shit no so every time he's acting he's kind of like <laughs> I gotta watch where I'm standing around because I can't see yeah. a fucking thing you know which is pretty cool yeah. and it shows the dedication they were willing to go to you know obviously Doug Bradley read the script went I love this I want to do this what do I need to do to do this mm-hmm. and he did it you know and I, I said I've spoken to him he's a really nice guy um, got to sign one of my uh, Hellraiser comics for you know nice cool. it's pretty sweet um, yeah, he's a really nice guy. Cool. Uh, we're just going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back in a few short minutes. And we're back. Cool. What have we got next, Alan? Okay, next up is Woman in Black, mm. 2012, by James Watkins, starring Danny Radcliffe. Good old Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. You're a wizard. Ha- oh, wait, wrong film. Sorry. You're a woman in black, Harry. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> no, either. that doesn't work. Um, either. You're a scared um, little man, Harry. <laughs> um, this one's based on a novel written by a very famous horror author known as Susan Hill from 1983. Um, the film is very different from the novel. The novel's basically um, like a, almost like a Christmas story. And the families around this guy's house. Same for is Christmas. It, is, is it is it like Die Hard? <laughs> <laughs> Best Christmas horror ever. Um, effectively, they sort of all sat around and they're telling stories and they're trying to get this guy. Um, I I'd be bugging if I can remember the the, the character's name. Um, trying to get him to tell the story of of his his exploits in this town that he went mm-hmm. to. Um, and it it sort he does end up sort of telling the story. And it's it's quite different from what you do get in the film. It's a lot more period based in terms of that. It's like sort of twenties, I think. It's very early based on that. Yeah. Um, the events kind of stay the same. Obviously, the the woman in black, the sister, the child that dies on the causeway, the 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 carriage driver across the causeway. Um, the main thing that changed in the film was the ending. Um, spoiler alert: if you've not seen the film, jump forward by about fifteen to thirty seconds. Um, I love the ending for this because the main character dies. It's not a happy ending at all. Mm. And I love that fact. Because mm. yeah. not all horror films should be, hey, happy ending. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I love the fact that they didn't pussy out and go all Hollywood on it and they actually did something good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's very different from the book because obviously he's telling the story. So he didn't meet his demise at that point. Um, 
it's quite got a far reach as well. So before this film came out, there was one by, I believe it was Thames Productions that was shown on ITV, I want to say early 90s. Um, I remember seeing this in school. My English teacher was like, right, you know, you're in school and the English teacher's like, right, we're going to watch a film. It's based on literature. It's totally acceptable. And he did that. He put Woman in Black on. And we, you watched that recently, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> and it creeped you out, didn't it? Oh, it did. Considering it was quite low budget. Yeah. It was the certain scene where the woman's just right above him in the bed. Kind of floating there, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it just goes on for a bit too long. And she, I think I remember right, she's sort of screeching, like a screaming screech kind of noise. I, can't, I blanked it out. Because it's, remember. and also with the TVs back in those days, the old CRT TVs, you know, cathode ray tubes. Um, the sound on those was not the best, so a high-pitched screaming kind of vibrated that speaker a little too much, yeah. and it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. And I kind of had flashbacks. When I was watching it with you, I had a massive flashback to that, and even I always felt a bit, oh, when's this going to fucking end now? Nice. Um, so it's kind of like that. Um, also has a stage show. Um, yes, there a is. A constant yeah. stage show, a permanent stage show, rather, wow. presence in London's West End at the Fortune Theatre. The best thing I feel about this is it only has three actors in the entire thing. Yeah. Wow. It's really good. So you get That's good. the uh, carriage driver. Yeah. Who obviously... Uh, I'm going to have to look up the names, I think. Um, the lawyer who goes to the estate of this woman who's previously... Well, recently died in this town. Um, she doesn't have any relatives. She's only family. And the lawyer is sort of there to sort of take care of her affairs and her estate. Uh, yeah. Arthur Kipps is the name of the lawyer. Yeah. Um, and he sort of goes there on his own and he meets Mr. Daly, who sort of goes and meets him and he takes him back and forth to the house as and when needed. He ends up staying in the house, um, does, does Arthur Kip, um, much to his, his uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Chagrin. Yeah, yeah, we'll go for that one, Chagrin works. Um, and obviously in the, the sort of the whole story of it comes out and the sort of long narrative of it. Um, it's one of the only films that's made me jump. Um, it's quite good. They sort of fake you out a little bit with this rocking chair. There's there's a room in the house which is locked. Fucking rocking chairs. chairs. Rocking and chairs it, and, oh. and and rocking horses. Yeah, yeah. I think the is there a rocking horse in that room? <coughs> I don't think be. there is, but they creep me out. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I might be thinking of a different film. I think I might be an Annabelle actually. The rocking I horse. So. I think the rocking horse Annabelle. Um, but yeah, so there's there's this room which is locked, and you can't find a key for it for love nor money throughout the entire house. And he, he starts randomly hearing. It almost sounds, I think, it's like a ball bouncing. Yeah. Like a kid bouncing a ball. And it was originally the kid's room where this child mm-hmm. died on the causeway uh-huh. um, in the marshes because the house is on Eel Marsh. Uh, it's called Eel Marsh House. And it's in the middle of a fucking marsh, basically. And this kid ends up, he sort of, she finds out the, the kid dies and, and, and that's where it's sort of the whole woman in black sort of thing come about. Um, but there's there's this sound of a bouncing ball and he's like what the hell is that he goes up and the room's unlocked he's the only one in the house and it's like oh shit mm-hmm. first impressions right fuck this i'm getting out of this house right now what's he do no i'm gonna go in the room and have a little look around and he, something catches his eye outside i can't remember exactly what it is but something catches his eye and it's there and this stinger you know these horror stingers are there and it's like a mm-hmm. sort of really high pitched thing and it's like oh god oh god something's gonna happen and something does and it's like, oh yeah, I saw that coming. Next thing you know, bam, a handprint appears on the window. Set, on the window. Oh my fucking Christ. Because I'd already seen this first jump. I was like, oh yeah, they're not going to do it. Oh my God, they just did a fucking another. That's the only time yeah, yeah, yeah. that he's caught me so off guard. I'm like, son of a bitch. I love that. I, I, I've I, got another story to tell, but it's for next week's episode. I, to be mm. fair, um, yes, listen to next week's. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to hear this story. Yeah. Right, I'm yeah. looking forward to this. Um, there was a lot of controversy, I want to say. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but it was rated 12A. Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah. people and parents wrote their kids to see it. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter, go see his new film, Woman in Black. A lot of kids come out a bit traumatised. Uh, Why yeah. didn't the parents look at what it was? parents are fucking don't, idiots. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't do it. They don't, they don't. The kid wants to see it. The kid nags. The parents are like, okay, fine, I'll take you to see it. Um, That'll yeah. teach you to nag. <laughs> I, I really believe still to this day it should have been a 15. 100%. At the very least. Yeah. Should have been a 15. At the very least. I don't think it would have merited an 18. Uh, there's nothing a... gory. There's nothing no. too what, over the top. What did. What did. Um, was it DC, DMCCA or something? Like, it was the. Um, oh, the, the MPAA. The MPAA. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the heck they were. The Motion Picture Association of America. 
Oh, you remember the BBFC in Britain? Oh, no, the BBFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What the flip? I don't know. I don't know what the rating of it was in America, but it was it was twelve eight here. <clears throat> yeah. And that's like what? And so I looked at it. I watched it. I loved. It. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love this. Yeah, it's amazing. Really but no, that should not have been twelve A. Mm. Not by a long shot. Um, as I say, it wouldn't matter in eighteen. There's no gore. There's no real violence. It's the tension. Yeah. Maybe that's probably it. Like visually. It's not. It's not a fifteen-rated film because maybe there isn't that much violence. Mm, but mm. I think it, it's still it, that it's, supernaturally spooky kind of. <coughs> uh, it is the tension. It's the mm. suspense, and that can have a lasting effect on a child. I suppose that's a testament to the filmmakers that without any of the stuff that would warrant it being a fifteen, mm, they mm. managed to make it that scary. Yeah. Without any of that stuff. Um, I think this was Daniel Radcliffe's one of his first major roles after Harry Potter as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be fair, he does really good in it. Yeah. You know, he, he he's done eight Harry Potter films. It's easy to get typecast mm. as that. That's that's where it's hard, really, isn't it? Because you immediately get yeah thought of as like, oh hey, look, it's Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. But yeah he's yeah. just playing mm-hmm. somebody. Why doesn't he yeah. just do yeah. do magic? Use yeah. Lumos, you'll be able to see everything. <laughs> Just experiamus the ghost, right? <laughs> That'll work. I thought I could have her. <laughs> oh, wait, it's already dead. Is it, I, th- I suppose it's the same, like one of those things, like when you see him in horns, or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or when he did that um, stage play Equus. Yes. Oh, yeah. Got, like, That's the horse, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then it's like, oh my gosh, it's Harry Potter with his dong out. Do you think that was just him trying to break out as oh, a typecast? Totally. He was like, yeah. what's the most off the cuff thing I can do right now to break away yeah. from lightning bolt face you know I love Harry Potter as well but it, it, it is I mean what what's he done recently I don't even know don't if know. I'm honest I don't recall seeing him anything recently mm. um, it's kind of <clears throat> tragic um, that the particular film as well did spawn a sequel uh, <coughs> it's called Angel of Death um, it's not bad mm-hmm. but it's not great I think it's hard to follow up on a film with such critical acclaim. Because mm. yeah. it was very critically acclaimed, The Woman in Black. Um, and it, it kind of, it, it breaks out of that sort of, oh yes, you're in a house, you're in one location in that aspect that you, there's one person in. It's the isolation factor of it as well. Because you mm. almost feel like you're in the house with Arthur Kipps. And the ghost is there and is constantly sort of watching and whatnot. Mm. Um, the second one was based during World War Two, uh, in a... Um, I think it was like a townhouse. I don't think it was Eelmarsh House. I don't recall it being Eelmarsh House. But basically they had orphans and they were there as almost like a, a, a boarding school, I guess you'd call it kind of thing. Yeah. And the ghost was obviously sort of haunting it and it's sort of following them <coughs> around. And it's like, okay, right, okay. Probably should have left it at just one. Yeah. But there we are. You know, Hollywood. Cha-ching! Yeah, you got you, you got to keep you got to keep adding. <laughs> yep. Sequel, 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 sequel. What's better than one ghost? <laughs> How long until they reboot Woman in Black? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. They'll call it The Man in Black instead. They'll flip it. <laughs> Gender bent. And then there's going to be two yeah, guys, no, and they're going to be shooting them with laser. Oh, no, that's a di- completely different <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I, the first thing I put in my head, we said two guys was one cup, and I, I'm very ashamed of myself. No. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Just brought the tone of the podcast yeah. right there. Sorry, yeah. sorry. We were classy, um, Alan. In terms of a lot of um, supernatural films, the last real groundbreaking one for me, and I think it's probably going to be a few people who are going to go over this one, over this one, but the last groundbreaking one for me was The Conjuring, 2013, by a guy called James Wan, who is (coughs) now acclaimed as one of the best horror directors on the planet. Mm. And I totally agree with that, because this guy's phenomenal. Um, We watched the recent, as well, the recent one with The Conjuring, didn't we? Yes. Um, and one of its spin-offs, Annabelle, which kind oh, of freaked you out a little bit. That freaked me out, yeah. Dolls, yeah. man. Dolls. Yeah. It's kid stuff, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Kid mm-hmm. stuff is all really freaky. Yeah, but like porcelain dolls in general. Yeah. I mean, who I, oh. who flipping thought that like having dolls like that in your mm-hmm. house was a good thing? Was my like, nana oh, so loves pretty. them. Nope. My nana used to buy all me and my female cousins those and I would put oh, them in a cupboard. Oh no. Oh, <laughs> and they'd no. get broken. But there was I stayed at her house once and in the <coughs> guest room she had a line of porcelain dolls. But every time my younger <coughs> cousin stayed there, 
she'd get freaked out by them and turn them to face the wall. Yeah. So I go and stay there, and there's just a row of dolls facing oh, the wall. No. Like, oh, that's oh terrible. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't like this when I was here. No. no. So yeah, dolls, Not creepy. Well, here's a fun fact for you. Obviously, Annabelle in that film is, I don't think it's porcelain. It's more... It's a, it is a porcelain doll. Oh, is it porcelain? Yeah. It like it was they a usually have bombast. a porcelain... Well... It, they seem robust, the old style ones as well. And it all kind of looks like a, a, a puppet, isn't it? Yeah, it kind yeah, of looks like the, 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 yeah. the Annabelle, the original Annabelle doll is a Raggedy Ann doll. Okay. Um, okay. And it's, it's obviously, if anyone knows a Raggedy Ann doll, it's basically a, a, a stuffed doll, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That looks fuck all like the Annabelle in the film. Yeah, no. um, that is a legit doll, um, which was supposedly possessed by a demon and has allegedly killed people. Uh-huh. Um, in reality, you can look this up, it's on the internet, you can read things about it. Um, I'm not sure why they decided to change it to the one they did, I guess, because of the way that they could move it. I the, feel the like it has flexibility. Also, it probably rights. Uh, maybe. The maybe. Yeah. that own mm. Raggedy Ann probably didn't want. Mm. Well, here's the fun fact for it. The Annabelle doll, much like in the films, was, I say owned, I'm using air quotations here, owned by Ed and Lorraine Warren. They kept it in a glass cabinet, sealed, and got it blessed twice a week by a priest. What? Legit. Legit. What's a flip? Legit. 100%. <laughs> they have, they've got like this, much like in the film. Um, unfortunately, Ed and Lorraine are no longer with us. Lorraine died, I believe, later half of last year, possibly early half of this year. Ed died a few years ago. Yeah. Um, but they had, they, they did a lot of investigations from Amateurville to um, Enfield. To, there's a lot of different hauntings that they yeah. sort of... Um, they're, they're, in the mo- they're in the movie yeah. yeah yeah well the movie sort of revolves around <clears throat> them and after a certain okay. period um, but they have much like in the film this this room which is locked at all times which has all these um, possessed or haunted items mm. and they say An- Annabelle was in this case there's actually a fucking doll out there which is in this glass case that's being blessed twice a week and Ooh. there's another one I can't remember the name of the other one um, Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures He's got a haunted museum himself. He does a lot of paranormal investigation. Yeah. He does the same. He's got a different doll, which is possessed, and it's locked in a cabinet, and it's blessed by a fucking priest at least once a week. Yeah. You know? And it just goes... I mean, the sort of... Kind of spinning off a little bit off Conjuring, going to the Annabelle spin-off, the way you see that the home invasion kind of goes wrong from those cult members, Mm. and that woman who's really fucking... She must be on something or other, and they kill... The cop comes in and kills her. And the doll is possessed by that spirit in that moment. And we, I, I've never looked into the whole Annabelle and the creation of, of or I say creation, the whole where it came from, what the present, possible possession could be. Mm-hmm. But who's to say it wasn't something like that? Who's to say it wasn't someone who's gone a little bit nuts and ended up getting killed for one reason or another? And that spirit is now inhabiting and is taking a bit of a revenge kick on people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's a scary thing. And we'll sort of cover more next week in terms of that sort of possession and haunting and things like that. And I think Leanne knows where I'm going with this one. We're not going to cover that right now. Um, yeah, so skipping back to Conjuring a little bit was inspired by real life events, as we've already mentioned, with Ed and Lorraine Warren, famous investigate uh, investigators. Um, one of the most famous cases was Amityville. Oh, yeah, Amityville, the Amityville Horror. Horror, yeah. <clears throat> um, that spinned off. Spinned off? That's good spun English. Off. That spun off. <laughs> Uh, at least two dozen sequels and remakes. Yeah, at least yeah, there's, there's, there's so many. At least once a year, an Amityville film of some sort comes out. <laughs> Amityville Asylum, the Amityville House, the Amityville Horror, the, the Amityville Haunting. So yeah. many fucking ones. Um, the, I love the look of that house because it looks like a face. If you look at the house in that film, yeah. and the, the real house doesn't look like that. But you've got the two shutters on the top, you've got the two windows, you've got the door that looks like a... It looks creepy as shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not great. But yeah, so the first Conjuring film was based around a haunting in a town called Harrisville in Rhode Island. Um, the family moves into a new house. They sort of find that they're having a couple of weird occurrences where it sort of gets a bit more intense and a bit more targeting towards the young girls who are living there with the parents. And they sort of call Ed and Lorraine Warren... And they, they sort of show how they went through the investigation. Obviously, it's all based on actual stuff that happened. Um, films do tend to sort of blow it out of proportion. Yeah. But if you're going to have a film about a haunting, you're not just going to go, 
Oh, there's a noise over there. Oh, there's a noise over there. Oh, what was that over there? <laughs> You're not going to do that in Hollywood blockbusters. They obviously yeah. blow it a bit yeah. out of proportion. They, they did a really good job with it, especially the sort of the exorcism in the basement. Where mm. They sort of all holding her down and tying it, and that was that was quite powerful. I quite yeah. liked that. Um, the obviously success of that film spin off Annabelle. After that, uh, was sort of still shows about the haunted doll, which appears in the first Conjuring film. The second one, then the second Conjuring film is based in the UK for the most part. Um, a town called Enfield. Um, yeah. A very famous case in, in Britain. <clears throat> I think the sort of mid-England sort of way um, where they caught a picture of the daughter sort of being thrown from the bed. You can look it up. It's online. There's been documentaries and this and everything. Um, it kind of starts off... I like the kind of way they kind of spin off. So they do... In both films of The Conjuring, they start off with one thing happening with Ed and Lorraine Warren and then it kind of kicks into the net proper investigation of it. Yeah. And the first part of Conjuring 2 is Amityville, and they sort of cover that in a little bit of detail, and they're sort of haunting that. Yeah. And they sort of get contacted <coughs> by, the, by the Lutz family mm. um, from the Britain, and they're like, you oh, know, we've got a problem, will you kind of help us please? And like, no, we, sorry, we're not, we're just kind of taking a break, we're not going to do that, we're not going to travel all the way there, because there's nothing that we tell us to go. They find some evidence... They send it to them, and then they're like, okay, shit, we may want to actually go and see what's going on here. And they ended up sort of traveling there, and and then they find that the target, the daughter has actually been tied by some sort of malevolent force, malevolent spirit, getting thrown from the beds, having attacks and things like that. And it's quite scary. Mm. You know, you move into a house. Your house is supposed to be a safe place. You know, you can go there at the end of the day. You know you're safe, you're comfortable, you're with your loved ones. All of a sudden, you've got this unseen force just, just brutalizing your family in one way or another and it's fucking terrifying mm-hmm. um this and we've covered this before with films the sequels are generally not as good as the original yeah mm-hmm. this is just as good as the original and again james wan is a fucking <coughs> genius director i think he did aquaman i've not seen that yet but yeah apparently the, he did a really good job with it as well he did a decent he <laughs> did a decent job with mm. it uh, mm. to be fair he um, so he did, uh, con yeah. So he did Conjuring, yeah. Insidious, yeah. He did Furious Seven, yes, he did, yeah. yeah. And Aquaman, yeah. So like, it's such a weird sort of sort of filmography that you've got yeah. there, yeah. But I think I the mean, thing that still stands out for me though is you think James Wan, you don't think oh Aquaman, you think Conjuring, you think horror, yeah. Because he did kind of blow the doors wide open on that and made horror quite popular i think i want to say again yeah because whereas woman in black did do a lot of critical acclaim the year before you know who, what else he he made what's that saw did he that yeah. one i did not know he made saw he would he directed saw oh that makes sense yeah and that so. first saw film is phenomenal yeah oh um, yeah flipping it like that i mean it it set it set the precedence for that kind of yeah yeah. The one thing I, uh, <clears throat> I don't I'm not saying I don't like so I do enjoy the Saw films. The one thing I don't like is people call it horror. I don't see that as horror. No. It's more thriller. No, for it's, me. Yeah, it's a thriller. Mm, it's which a, is why like, we haven't covered it on any of these yeah. episodes. It's gore thriller. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <coughs> and then obviously Spawn of Hostel, which is apparently shit. I've not seen that. Yeah, apparently Hostel was sort of just like everything that Saw was doing, but just like ramped, ramped up, up. Yeah. And and and. Made dirtier. Have you had some sort of scene with the, with the and Leanne's going to hate this one, uh, where an eyeball gets pulled out uh, and blow-torched uh, while still attached? Uh, um, again, I've not seen it, so I'm just going by second-hand information on that yeah, one. But I don't know. So oh I think that from what I've heard of Hostel, it's just gore-porn for the sake of it. Yeah, it Whereas seems to be. Whereas Saw, people are like, oh, it's just gore for the sake of it. It's killing people through it. It's not. You watch Saw, there's an underlying story there to it. There is an underlying story. And it's quite powerful. That first film, start to finish... Watch it and tell me that's not a great film because mm. it's phenomenal. That whole when everything comes together in that sort of last ten minutes. Yes. Mm. Oh mate, that is so good. And it keeps you guessing for that hour and a half. I think that that's why that's why it spawned so many sequels. Because yeah, people yeah. were just going, Holy crap, this was really good. It was like that intrigue of sort of that morbid fascination of what Jigsaw was gonna do next, the yeah. traps that he mm-hmm. was gonna do. Mm-hmm. In plus the as, and, uh, yeah, the inc- intrigue of each character. Yeah. Like, yeah. what's their history? Especially the second film. Have yeah. you seen the second one? Uh, I don't the, remember. They're still trapped in the house. And they have to do different tasks to get yes. the... 
Yeah, that yeah. for me, those two films <clears throat> are superb. Was that the second one? Or the yes, third one. I second. It was the third one. No, those second. Was it the one with the pit of syringes? That's the one. Yeah, this oh. is the second one. Yeah, <laughs> cringe. Uh, I hate needles. As Ugh. soon as she's like, she fell into it, and like, he's the needles are yeah. through the her. The druggie's head. supposed to be the one who goes into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the third one is where she becomes Jigsaw's apprentice. Yes. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, <coughs> for me, the third one lost its way a little bit. And then the fourth takes place it, concurrently it, with the third. It, it kind of waters down, doesn't yeah. it? Because it's yeah. just the whole, like, <coughs> we know Jigsaw's MO. Yes. Like, what's he going to do next? Who's he going to punish or whatever? Well, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I know, tangent. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, you're not seeing The Conjuring, I'm assuming. <coughs> no. Mm. It, it's worth a while. Mm. Would you, I mean, you liked House, uh, what, The Haunting on Hill House, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's not gory, it's no. not graphic in any way. It's, it's again, it's, it's the creepy. tension, it's the it's suspension, creepy, yeah. uh, the suspense on it. Is it is it very uh, jump scary? Liam? I can't remember. I've seen so many films. I think Annabelle's that. not as jump scary for definite. That's more yeah, tension. Yeah, it's... I think it is more tension. Mm. I think there is a couple There's of a jump scares. Of jump scares. Um, I jump at anything. Though. Jump scares don't really affect me. That's the thing. I can see a kind of mile off. I don't really get. Even if I them. see them coming, I still jump. Yeah, it's quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, though, you get you get that you, it's the it's one the tension of mm. no music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or music. Yeah. Sort of yeah. knowing that something's mm. something's gonna mm. happen, and you don't yeah. really know. Exactly what or when, but you're yeah. like looking at every corner of the yeah. screen. Something's gonna be your there. Hype, your hype, like your senses are heightened yeah. and you're yeah. hyper yeah. Mm-hmm. attentive mm-hmm. to everything. Which yeah. which yeah. makes jump scares even more effective that yeah. way because you're like, mm. <laughs> which is I think why the one in the woman in black we talked about earlier kind of works with better effect because mm. you've been ramped up, you've been ramped up, and then something happens, Drop you guard. and you're on the come down, and then boom, another yeah. one hits, and it's like, holy shit, I didn't expect that. You know, mm. and it's I like that. You know, it's it's, it's great. It's great. Um, but yeah, definitely ch- d- d- conjuring. I I recommend conjuring. I think you should watch. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, I really do. Okay, I really do. <laughs> <laughs> Put your money on it. Um, cool. Well, thanks, Alan. Uh, hopefully, uh, you guys enjoyed this episode of Spooktober. Tell us which one you thought was your favorite and why. Yeah. And if we think we've missed something, and, and tell us why, and we'll check it out. Yeah, reach out to us. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chat to us on our Facebook page or Twitter. Uh, search for SEAPC Podcast or Snap Crackle and Pop Culture Podcast on Facebook. Um, reach out to our personal uh, <coughs> Twitter pages. I'm Selmy89 on Twitter. Uh, Alan? I'm Hellblazer, H E W L B L A Y Z E R on Twitter and Instagram. And Leanne? I'm Mr. Raggles. That's M R underscore R E G L E S on Twitter. Fabulous. <coughs> well, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope. Uh, we catch you next week when we'll be finishing this Spooktober Spectacular. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>